Hey everyone, I'm John Steele, and this is After Four, a podcast for InterVarsity alumni. Life after college is hard, and even a great experience with your InterVarsity chapter doesn't shield you from the challenges of transition. As we hear stories from real alumni learning how to make it in their post-InterVarsity reality, my hope is that this podcast will offer some encouragement, a few laughs, and even some hope for the future. This is After Four, and these are your stories. What's up? Welcome back. We've had a few weeks off, but here we are again with more After Four, the podcast for InterVarsity alumni. I'm your host, John Steele, and it's great to be together again or together for the first time if you're making your After Four listening debut right now. And if that's the case, welcome. I'm so excited that you're here. I hope you'll look us up on Instagram, drop me a line, say hello. I would love to meet you. So let's get started with our new episode here. We're jumping into the familiar and the brand new all at the same time. Today, we're rejoined by a friend who's been on the podcast before, but we're hearing the next part of her story. You might remember back in January, we met Harvest, an InterVarsity alumna who's been a missionary in China for 15 years. Uh, We got to hear about her Urbana 22 experience in December and then got to hear all about her journey to China, a desire that God laid on her heart at a young age, but then asked her to wait 10 years before seeing fulfilled. If you haven't already listened, go back and check out our season three premiere where we first meet Harvest and then listen to our first full episode devoted to her story called How I Got to China, A Conversation with Harvest. You can find links to both of those in the show notes. That will get you up to speed. And then for today, you get to hear the next part of Harvest's story where we dig into some of her COVID experiences while in China. We find out what it was like for a missionary in China to keep sharing the gospel while in lockdown. And Harvest also shares her experience being sent into mandatory quarantine along with everyone else in her huge apartment building and how she met God in the unknown where she had no control over her surroundings. There's something for each of us to learn here as she shares about her posture toward God and others during this crazy time. It's a fantastic story. So if you haven't heard from Harvest before, pause right now and go catch those other episodes first, then come right back here for the next part of her story. All right, here's Harvest. This one's for you, alumni. Okay, so you talked about how COVID at that time sort of amped up some of these restrictions or made it a little more challenging. You had to sort of freestyle a little bit about how you were going to keep doing this. Yeah. But there was also like new ministry that came out of COVID. Tell us briefly about that because I think I think we're going to have a longer conversation about that uh, yeah. a little bit later. Well, you know, I hope everybody's got their own awesome COVID story. Okay, so I hope everybody's got something that they're going to tell their grandkids like, yeah, back when COVID hit, this is what we did. And they'll be like, yeah, grandma, I know. So our COVID story was I I felt from the Lord at the beginning of 2020, um, one of the things, a vision for me for the year was to feed the sheep. And I had been, a couple years previous, I had spent more and more time writing and um, was kind of going in that direction of preparing and creating resources for our friends that were bilingual in English and Chinese. Basically what happened was when COVID came to us, it was extremely abrupt, right? It was like the first place in the world, literally, that COVID erupted. We didn't even have that name for it. We just, it was a virus. 
at Chinese New Year time, we were going to have a party at my place. And a friend messaged me and said, you know, I'm really sorry, but I don't think I'm going to come to the party because there's this virus. And I was like, what? Like, this is the best party of the year. You're yeah. not, not going to come to our Chinese New Year party because of some virus? And then I was like, okay, whatever. And then the next day, another friend messaged and was like, I don't think I'm going to come with my family because of this virus. And then I was like, what's going on? And so then I start asking questions. And that Thursday night, we had our, our fellowship meeting. It was smaller number anyway, because people had started to travel for Chinese New Year to return to their hometowns, which was really standard for us. And so it was a smaller group. And I was actually planning a trip for Chinese New Year to travel to Inner Mongolia with some friends. And we all kind of looked at each other and I was like, well, should we postpone our Chinese New Year party for the end of the holiday? Because it's like a several week holiday and we can do it later. And everybody kind of decided, yeah. And then my friends and I were like, should we cancel our trip to Inner Mongolia? It was kind of like, who does this for a virus, you know? Yeah. And that was Thursday night. So we, we canceled the things from Thursday to Friday, Saturday, Sunday, everything was shut down in our city, 100%. We were at home. So four days later, I was at home alone in my apartment, no cars on the street, no meetings, everybody immediately at home. At that time, I had some really good friends that are Chinese friends who were visiting our city for the holiday and they couldn't fly back to the city they were living in because of everything was shut down. So they moved in with me. And so now I had my two good friends and their baby in my house and we were together, but still kind of, you know, locked inside. And I still had this burden to feed the sheep. And so because they were with me, I started writing these little messages to encourage our, our brothers and sisters and my friends could translate them. And we started making these voice messages in English and in Chinese to just literally send out one by one to our friends. And after doing that for three days and looking out my window at the empty streets, you know, at the time there was zero cars on the streets, but the streets did have all these guys driving motorbikes, delivering food. It was funny when COVID started and my friends overseas started messaging me, the first thing they wanted to know was, where are you getting food? And I was like, hey, <laughs> this is no problem. This is, this is China. We have the most amazing delivery service and Chinese takeout is a thing. That's so, awesome. <laughs> the city is like the only people on the streets are like guys driving their motorbikes around delivering the, the takeout food. And in Chinese, the word for takeout is why my. And so these guys were delivering why my all over the city to everybody who was stuck at home. And I looked out my window at these guys on their motorbikes and I thought, I'm delivering spiritual why my with these messages. And so out of that, what happened was my friends and I were able within a very short amount of time to open up a podcast slash blog in the Chinese super app called WeChat that reaches all of our country. We were able to, within days, open up this channel to broadcast these spiritual messages that were really from the Word of God about Christ and His hope for us at this moment. And so we called it Spiritual Why My. And the first article that we posted, so it was like, it's like a podcast plus an article and this bilingual. The first article we posted had, had 1,200 reads. Wow. Yeah. And it was like, <laughs> whoa. That's crazy. Okay. It, people are hungry at this moment. And it was a crisis moment, right? Nobody knew what was going on. And so the Holy Spirit just opened up this totally new venue. And we got a team of people to work together as translators, as editors, as photographers, as designers. And the awesome thing, it was like our fellowship, everybody was like stuck at home, right? But God gave us an opportunity to continue to serve together. And I really believe it's because for years and years and years, we had been serving together. Yeah as a, the body of Christ. 
having our parties, doing our outreaches, having our Bible studies. Like we had been functioning as a unit in the Lord for years. And so when this thing all of a sudden popped up, we were ready to roll. Right. You know, and my friends, I live in the high tech part of China. So these guys are really good at this kind of stuff. So, <laughs> so like editing and designing and like cutting edge design for, you know, social media, all this kind of stuff. This was like in their wheelhouse. And so we were able to throw this thing together. And to this day, we're coming up on our third year anniversary. We publish every single day. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's crazy. We know it was straight up from the Lord that he would give us this thing. And, it, and again, it's not like I'm like dreaming, like someday I want to be like John and have a podcast. <laughs> Trust me, <laughs> and, nobody's dreaming about that. <laughs> and, uh, but it was, it was like, this is this, you know, I had it in my heart, feed the sheep. And at this moment, it's like things, the pieces of the puzzle were already there. And it was like, now, boom, go. And the Holy Spirit really gave us, especially I would say for a year and a half, a real fire to do it. Because we were publishing original content every day for about a year and a half, which is a lot of work, a lot of writing, a lot of editing, a lot of recording. But we were doing it like with a fire from the Lord and excitement because this is the moment, like this is the time that God has given us an open door. And when people are hungry and are facing this worldwide crisis moment, and can we speak into that words of life? Can we speak into that the true words that are going to lift people up? out of this dark moment, it is the word of God. And so we were able to just move in this direction. And um, we, after a year and a half, we kind of like slowed things down. So we do a lot of more like republishing of, of content, but we're still allowed to publish, which is we're all still kind of shocked that we haven't been shut down. We have to do right now, we have to do a lot of code words and uh, different kind of unique ways to, to not get blocked. But yeah, through this moment, God gave us an opportunity to reach people that we never would have reached before. Um, we only can say it's, it's a gift God gave us. That's amazing. You know, we talked about this grassroots sort of community that's developed. You've had these experiences of kind of pivoting from one place to another. Like we've got we've to go here, we got to go there so that we can keep doing what we're doing. And then here, you've had all of this time kind of training together uh, and, you know, growing in trust and growing in a love for like, this is what it looks like, like to live together as God's people. And then this thing happens and you're ready to go. That when the need came, when the call was put out there, this community, you're ready to produce this thing that, that reaches people in serious need as you're closed up inside and, and that it's continuing on. Like that is so cool to me. We're just, it's like really just like, this is what God's put in my hand to do today. And, and you guys come together with me. And I think like with God's leading and with his power in us and us learning from each other and leaning on each other and being kind to each other, like, okay, you totally, we can, we've made so many mistakes, right? Like how many editing-ish problems or something is published incorrectly or this or that. It's like, we don't really care about that. We're just all going to learn this together and we're going to, you know, this is the Lord's doing and we're going to follow him and whatever he puts in our hand to do, we're going to, we're just going to keep going together yeah. and love each other in it. Literally a bunch of friends that are together saying, Hey, you guys want to do this? Yeah, let's try. And I think that, that we have the crazy idea that, that God has called us, you know, like, like we, we're, we're not qualified because we've got some like degrees or, you know, like professional backing, but we're qualified because we are in Christ. He made me and he saved me and I've been adopted as his child. And now his spirit lives in me 
and within he is living in my friends around us. And so his, it's his spirit inside of us and his leading us into this thing. This is why we can say, sure, let's give it a go. Like if the Lord is in it and if, and if he's leading us and yeah, we make mistakes. I make mistakes. I, I, I feel like another key in this is to remain teachable and listening and listening to each other, to have people who are holding me accountable and listening to the Holy Spirit. You know, I don't want to be that like brazen person, like charge ahead, we're going to do this thing because it, that's actually foolish in my context because it's, it's too risky and I, it's maybe riskier for my friends than for me. And so like how I've learned to really kind of listen quietly to the voice of the Good Shepherd and be teachable and flexible be ready to go, like have the zeal to go for it, but at the same time, have a quiet and gentle spirit that says, okay, sh- like, Lord, is this the direction that we go? Because I'm, I think, aware that if we step out of his will, we step out of his plan, it could be disaster. And so learning more and more, this is, you know, also a prayer for this year, like in the last year and the year before, like, God, give me this quiet and gentle spirit that is listening, that's zealous. That's like enthusiastic and optimistic, but at the same time, let's walk circumspectfully. You also were talking about kind of your COVID experiences, this podcast coming out of this ministry, coming out of COVID uh, needs. As you said before, we all have our, our COVID stories that we can share. And I would imagine for many of us living here in the U.S., we've heard versions of the story. The narrative? We've, yes, we've heard a particular narrative of what it was like in China, you know, specifically related to COVID stuff. For someone who's been there, who has lived through some of these things, can you tell us some stories maybe that can help give us a more accurate perspective on what that experience was like? Sure. Yeah. Like I said earlier, when COVID came, it was very abrupt. Things stopped like just on a dime. And society was willing to go with that for the sake of safety. And so even though it was hard, we stayed at home, waited weren't sure what was going on, kind of sat looking out of our windows <laughs> and, and wondering, you know, how long is this going to happen? For the first six, about six weeks in 2020 was when COVID really disrupted China. And for six weeks, we really were, were at home. We were staying at home. We were working for a home. We had um, in my apartment complex, we had at the front gate, you could get groceries delivered, but we couldn't, we wouldn't really go out the front gate. Like I said, I had my friends living with me and we joked that the husband, that he was going to risk his life every day for us to go out and get our groceries. <laughs> you know, even in my elevator, on the floor of the elevator, they had little boxes of where you're supposed to stand in the wow. four corners of the elevator. Okay. Nobody, because nobody really knew what was, gonna, yeah. what was going on and what was going to happen. And everybody had, uh, lack of a better word, healthy fear of, you know, we don't know what's out there. So we're just going to comply. And China is very organized. And so... Our apartment complex systems were so organized of packages coming in and because online shopping and online groceries and all that is really well established in China. So, I mean, I was buying groceries online years before COVID. So these kind of systems are in place. So that was just, it could be taken care of, but we just had to wait. And so finally the hard time kind of passed and we started coming out of our homes and looking at each other, but still with caution. What continued then for the next two years was periodic lockdowns different levels of monitoring of, of people. So for the past, you know, nine months in 2022, we were taking COVID tests every single day. And so I had a testing site right in my apartment complex. 
and I have a health code on my phone that would indicate when was my COVID test, if I had been vaccinated, and if I had been to any high-risk cities. I had to scan a QR code anytime I went in and out of a building, got on a bus, got on a subway, and had to show my health code. And so we were tracked and managed. Contact tracing was in place. We had, you know, sections of our city it periodically would be locked down. If a COVID case would pop up, they would squelch it immediately. So we did not have COVID. Like people weren't getting sick. I didn't know anybody that got sick. Nobody. Wow. Zero in mainland China. Up until this December 2022, I didn't know anyone who had COVID in mainland China. Wow. I've known like more people than I can count who have had COVID. <laughs> right. Well, well, China had the zero COVID policy so that they successfully stopped the transfer of COVID as best as they could. But of course, then the, the difficult side of that is that you've got a lot of restraints on society for business, for life. And it affected us in different ways. Some of daily life was hindered, but some of it was not, you know. So there were some days when, oh, we can't go to work this week. Okay. So we figure that out. Or, oh, we probably shouldn't have our fellowship meeting. Or, oh, let's, let's cancel that party or stuff like that. The time that it, it affected me, though it really affected me, one morning in April, I went out to go do some exercising and it was 10 in the morning and I saw an ambulance outside my building and I was like, uh-oh, what's this? And then one of my guards from my apartment complex, who I know, he looked at me and he said, you can't go out, you can't go out. And I was like, I wonder what he means. <laughs> and so I just slipped around the backside of the ambulance and went towards our main gate. And I saw that our main gate had a table across it and a volunteer sitting at the table not allowing people to leave our apartment complex. And so I'm kind of walking around, looking and watching, wondering what's happening. And I found one of the, our apartment complex managers and I asked her, can I go out? And she said, no, you can't go out right now, but we'll send you a message. And I said, okay. So I went back up to my apartment. I'm on the 16th floor of my apartment. My building's about 30 stories and there's probably 15 buildings like mine in my apartment complex. So you kind of get the size of our place. And I stood on my balcony, I looked out and I saw the medical team starting to come in. Teams of hazmat suits, teams of like blue, like hospital garb. And then I saw the truck roll up with the, these plastic red removable like fencing that we were all too familiar with. This is the stuff that goes up when they are going to like lock down your building. And I was like, oh no, this is really bad. And I watched them erect this red plastic barrier wall around my building. And I was like, oh, this is bad. And now my friends start messaging me saying, what's going on? And I say, I don't know. And they said, we heard that there's one child in your building who tested positive for COVID. And so I waited and I waited and I waited and I thought, it's like, well, I better clean my apartment. And, <laughs> and at 10 p.m. I got a call and was told to pack your bag, you're going to a quarantine hotel. And so I started contacting my friends and asking them to pray for me because I had heard a lot of stories about quarantine and some of them were pretty difficult. People going to hotels that the room wasn't clean, maybe there was mold and then they started getting sick themselves. So I had all these kind of different stories about what a quarantine would look like. So I started praying like, and my prayer was that, God, please, would you give me a clean hotel room? And I would like a window with a view. And so I started packing my, the biggest suitcase I had, I fill up with food. I didn't even know if I'd be able to get packages. And I packed like 15 books. I brought my violin. My friends were contacting me and I just asked everyone to pray. 
And so at midnight, I got a call again. I was told, get ready. And then at 3 a.m., I got a call. I said, okay, come downstairs to the bus that's waiting for you. And at this moment, I have to say my American flesh was not too happy. You know, like nobody's telling me anything. I could feel my flesh inside of me like this, like, I deserve an explanation. Like, what is that? Like, this isn't right, you know? And so I really had to pray like, okay, God, there's nothing I can do right now. Would you please help me to be the most cheerful person going down right now? Because my, my neighbors, I've known them for like 11 years. And they know me, and this is not the moment to, like, crush your witness. (laughs) Like, at 3 a.m. going to a, you know, on this bus, nobody's happy. So it's like, I'm not going to walk out this building and be, like, demanding my rights or something. So I just pray. I was like, okay, Lord, help me to be cheerful at 3 (laughs) a.m. with my big suitcase and my violin going to this bus to take me to a COVID hotel. And so I got to the bus, and I was kind of like my neighborhood leader was there and they checked me off a, a list, like I'm, I'm the foreigner here. And so I got on the bus and, and my na- some of my neighbors were on this bus and all very silent and I could tell everybody was a little scared and anxious. And I went to the front of the bus and sat down and I called my, my parents and I was like, okay, dad, you can follow my little blue dot, you know, find my friends. Like it works all over the world. So I was like, dad, you can follow, you know, track me. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what's happening. And so we talked, we prayed together. After the phone call, I could kind of hear everybody else on the bus kind of starting to talk to each other. I think they had heard me talking and they were kind of like, oh yeah, we're human. We can talk to each other. <laughs> you know, this is kind of a scary moment. Yeah. So this bus took us on a not too long journey. And I prayed and I decided that I would be the last person to get off the bus. I asked the Lord to pick the room for me and the hotel room, and I was just going to wait and trust him. But I was also going to start asking questions when I got off the bus. (laughs) (laughs) So I waited. It took about 45 minutes to process everyone off my bus. And then I got off the bus and the first like hazmat suit person I saw, I said, how long am I going to be here? And he said, seven to 14 days. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Either seven or twice that amount. Yeah, somewhere in the ballpark of seven to 14. Oh my. And then he said something I didn't understand. And I thought, this is not the time to fake that I understand your Chinese. You know, this isn't a time just to say yes and nod my head. So I said, I said, I'm really sorry. I don't understand what you're saying. Can I get your contact information? And he said, yes. Oh, wow. I then was processed into this hotel and... It looked like a war zone. Like they, like imagine a nice hotel lobby with a chandelier, but all the furniture pushed aside. And instead it's like hazmat bags. And it just, it was a crazy looking and all these hazmat suit people, but they're really polite. They're like, here's your card, your key. Welcome to our hotel. I was like, this is surreal. Like, welcome to our hotel. And I rolled my big fat suitcase in and I got on the elevator and it wasn't until I was in the elevator when I looked up and I saw that I was in a Hilton Garden Inn. What? (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. And so I went up into my room and and I had also told myself and told my parents, I'm not going to cry until I get into my hotel room. Like, I got to do this, right? Like, I got to get through this. Yes. By now, it's like 4.30 in the morning. I go into my hotel room and it's this beautiful room with floor-to-ceiling windows. Oh, my gosh. The whole two walls are floor-to-ceiling windows. And then I cried. I said, thank you, Jesus. You provide for me everything that I need. And uh, I, can, I really can trust you in the unknown. And so I, I stayed there for 14 days. The full 14. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> it was the, every day I was there. I was able to communicate with the hotel staff because I'd gotten this guy's contact. Right. And they were really kind. And we made friends. And I thought, what a job. Like, you get this great job working at Hilton Garden Inn. And now you're a quarantine hotel. You know, like you're like <laughs> taking out people's hazmat garbage. And so I tried to be thankful. Mm -hmm. Like every day I got food delivered and I had my temperature taken. I had a COVID test like every day. And, and so all these people that are like, quote unquote, serving us, I would just try to write little notes of thanks and, and tell them thank you and, and reach out to them in the best way I could. And then it was really awesome. They started like sending me little notes. The manager sent me up a piece of cake and a cappuccino one day. I was like, oh my gosh, I've made contact. Because <laughs> I'm in isolation. Like I'm, I'm in this right. room all by myself. Um, my friends would come and deliver package to me and they'd stand like on the street down below and I'd like stick my arm out the window and wave <laughs> and they would wave. And, oh my goodness. And, um, but it, it ended up being a sweet time with the Lord. And uh, there were two songs that the Lord really touched me with. And one was an old hymn I'd never heard before. A friend sent it to me. It was called Beneath the Cross of Jesus. And it's just about remaining beneath the cross of Jesus. And one day I noticed that next to my bed, there was a window. And the way that the window panes were such that if you looked at the right angle, it looked like an enormous cross in the window with this window pane next to my bed. And I was like, I am beneath the cross of Jesus. And this happened over Easter. So I celebrated Good Friday and Easter in this room. Wow. And the other song that I would sing was also an old hymn, I've Come to the Garden Alone. Mm. And here I am in the Hilton Garden Inn. Yes. And I'm oh, like, wow. I have come to the garden alone. I am straight up alone for 14 days wow. with just the Lord. And it was such a sweet time of being alone with him. You know, it was funny when I got in there, like one of my friends gave me his password to his Netflix. And I was like, I guess this is when you're supposed to binge watch Netflix. Yeah. I did not open it once. Wow. Just being quiet with the Lord. I mean, I read, I mean, I, I did like video conference with friends. Uh -huh. I even played my violin and I did some writing. I did reading. I, I was able to keep up with work, those kinds of things. But it was just this really unique moment where you have to be ensconced with the Lord. Like I, I'm forced literally and praise God, it's a clean room and I have floor to ceiling windows and I have a view and I have rest and what a time of life. Like when, when else am I going to have this moment of quiet to be with the Lord? Even though people were like sending me messages like, we're so sorry that this is happening to you and we're praying for you. And I was like, oh man, yeah, pray for me, but <laughs> it's really wonderful. You know, I don't want to say that too much because it's this, you know, I guess I only had the Lord and his presence was quite sweet and tangible. When we're restricted in the natural, like you can't go out, you can't do this, you can't do that. Don't you think that there is a greater freedom in the spirit realm, in the supernatural with the Lord? Like yeah. all the, the natural things in my life were gone. And I'm just held, literally held into this one room for my, my daily, I did my exercises, but I'm like, pacing back and forth in the room. I'm doing jumping jacks. I'm, you know, but you're, I'm just in this space. There's something about being, having a limitation put on me in the natural, but then in the supernatural with the Lord, because where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, right? So there is just such a freedom that is different because my distractions are way lower than normal life. Right. And I've got nowhere else to go but here with him. And I feel like, I hope in this whole COVID time, this is something that I walk away with, that we walk away with. Hey, 
limitations in the natural in my daily life, it's not a, as big of a deal as I think they are. There's so much that we could pull from this part of my conversation with Harvest, but I want to focus in on one part in particular, and that's her perspective on these 14 days of quarantine. First of all, Harvest's posture toward others as she was relocated from her home for two weeks. Rather than making demands and pleading a case for her own rights, safety, and comfort, she chose meekness, mercy, love, peace, patience, kindness. She reminded herself that her testimony of faith in Jesus was far more important than understanding why this was happening or demanding particular treatment. And remember, she wasn't even the one who had tested positive. It was someone else in her building, and she was being sent away from her home healthy. But as a result of her decision to lead with these Christ-like qualities, she was able to connect with medical and hotel staff in meaningful and helpful ways. The second part of this quarantine story that stands out to me is Harvest's posture toward God. In a scary and unknown situation, a situation she'd heard some concerning stories about in the past, she turned to God as her provider and protector. She relied on him in the midst of 14 days of being cut off from the world around her. And in those 14 days that could have been a long, slow slog of loneliness, she found rest and peace beneath the cross of Jesus. She came to the garden alone and met with Jesus there, and she was refreshed and restored. When we enter the unknown, when we enter a situation where we feel that we might be deprived in some way, we can rest assured that God has more than enough for us, and we can find abundance in Him. And I imagine that feels very real for at least one part of your post-graduation experience. What would it mean for you to carry Harvest's words with you and say, I come to this garden alone, this new town where I'm so far away from everyone and everything I know, my new grad school cohort, my unfulfilling job, my imperfect church, my deficient social life, my mental health concerns. Whatever your experience might be, I come to this garden alone and I trust that I will meet Jesus here and experience God's abundance. And you may still have a slog ahead of you. Harvest was in quarantine for 14 days. It didn't get canceled. It didn't get shortened. She was there. The hardship happened and Jesus sat right there with her through all of it and she experienced his goodness. What a fantastic story. Harvest, thank you so much for sharing these moments with us. If you enjoyed Harvest's story, you're in luck. We still have another touch point with Harvest coming up in a couple of months where she shares a few more that-could-only-be-God moments from her time in China, so stay tuned. And if you still haven't had a chance to listen to the first parts of my conversation with her, remember that there are links to those episodes in the show notes, and be sure to send us a message on Instagram at After4Pod to give this episode some love. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you in the After, alumni. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today, alumni. If there was anything that you learned, really enjoyed, or that encouraged you from today's episode, would you send us a DM or tag us in a story? We'd love to hear about it. You can find us at After4Pod on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, take just a second to unlock your phone and subscribe to the podcast. If your platform lets you, leave us a rating and a review. And if you like what we're doing here, share us with your InterVarsity or other post-graduation friends. Thanks again for listening, and I will see you in the after, alumni. <laughs>